You are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, man, welcome to a Wednesday edition of Locked On NFL. I'm Tony Wiggins and James Rapine. Got a lot of stuff to do today. What's up, James? What's up, Tony? How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Doug Peterson isn't. And, you know, he got fired. Of course, they mentioned that already on Locked On NFL yesterday. But real quick, shocked? No, not, not shocked. Um, a bit surprised because I certainly think he is a is worthy of being, a, you know, one of the 32 NFL head coaches. And a, a team, an organization like Philly, you'd usually think that they'd kind of be patient in a way, but you know, it, it didn't work out and that's fine. And I think there was just as much frustration on the Peterson side as there was on the, the Eagles side. So maybe it's best for both parties. I'd agree with you. So we're going to talk coaching openings. All of the openings are still available. No one has been hired as of yet at the point that we recorded this, we got another opening. We're also uh, going to look at, we talked about all these other openings, the best spots for, for all of the coaches who's good for Philly and who fits what Philly wants to do and and what makes that job what it is. Uh, should Doug Peterson be considered for a job that's open elsewhere? We'll discuss that. In our draft segment, we're going to have a lot of fun because we're going to talk about Devontae Smith and whether he's worthy of a top five pick. He's got, electric, Tony. He electric. is, man. I love him. I love him. I love him. But we're really going to get into that because we're going to take a, a, a nice little dive into that. We got some interesting angles to discuss uh, with that. Uh before we get into this coaching stuff, were there any surprises in the divisional games or the wild card games this weekend for you? Uh, I mean, a couple. Uh, a guy named Heine, right? In Heineke. Right. <laughs> the way he played for Washington. I know they they didn't win, but man, he was balling. So that was probably my biggest surprise. Uh, but the Browns right behind him. Maybe the Wiggins curse isn't real, Tony, because the Browns won after you tried to curse them. Right. The Bills won, right. even though Phillip Rivers played well and you tried to curse them. So maybe this Wiggins jinx is just a, a fragment of our imagination. That's right. Or maybe, uh, it, it, you know, maybe my predictions ring hollow during the regular season, but during the postseason, I'm more accurate because, you know. So you're Eli Manning. There you go. That's what I am. I'm Eli Manning. I'm, I'm very, very average until it counts, right? <laughs> My wife will probably tell you the same thing, but that's pretty much the way it is, man. He's pretty much just running a mill wig until he, until I need him to be something else. So the thing is, is um, we look forward to those games this weekend too. Baltimore. I watched Baltimore and I, I tweeted this. They look like 53 of the same guy, just in a different shape and form. They, 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 they are a bar fight. If you want to have a bar fight, you take them. They are nasty, but in the right way. I felt so happy for Lamar Jackson because if he would have lost that game, it would have been, oh, Lamar can't win in the playoffs. And all these idiots that thought he was a receiver or running back in the 2018 NFL draft would be like, see, you can't win with a running quarterback. Of course you can. And the, the Titans are a bad matchup and they overcame it. So good for Baltimore. And I, I like their chances this week against the Bills. I really do. I think that's going to be a, a tough matchup, a, a hard-fought matchup, and you got a really good defense, I think, in the Ravens going up against the better offense right. in the Bills. But you flip it, I think Lamar can do some damage against the Bills. So that's it's going to be a, uh, a really, really interesting matchup. But I felt really good about Lamar Jackson. That might have been my uh, 
the, the person I was happy for the most right. from the, the wild card weekend, just because of the narrative that would have came out of him losing. Not that I'm a Ravens fan or a Lamar fan. I just didn't want that narrative because he's a great player and he doesn't deserve to have that hanging over his head. I, I really like John Harbaugh too. And just imagine going through, I would say most of your life with the outside world thinking that your big brother is hot stuff and you're just, yeah, you're just, his brother, you know what I'm saying? You're just his, you're just his brother. But actually being more accomplished at the end of the day than your brother because you won a Super Bowl and you're actually winning games. So shout out to all the little brothers. I'm not one. I'm a big brother. But shout out to all the little brothers, man, that get overlooked. You know what I'm saying? And then you have your day in the sun. But he said something to – he was mic'd up during one of the Jaguars games. The Jaguars having a, one of their worst seasons. And one of his players was hurt. And he was on the field and he was talking to a Jaguar player, Miles Jack, I believe. And, oh, he, wow. re- and he really told him, he said, and I'm going to paraphrase it. He was like, you guys play hard and you guys play. I know you're having a rough season, but you, you guys doing it the right way. You guys are playing hard and doesn't go unnoticed or something. I just thought that was the classiest thing to say to a group of guys that's out there busting their butt and getting their head smashed in every week and only winning one game to notice to no, for another coach to notice that they were playing hard and doing things the right way and to actually say it, he really, really, really went way up on my list of people uh, because he actually cares about the game and he cares about his own guys too. And he didn't know that he was being recorded, right? It, it, he I don't didn't think know so. that the I mic, ex- exactly. He probably didn't. And, and so that's, that's the part because it's real easy to say that when mics are hot for that praise, he didn't know that was going on. And I agree with you. Lamar Jackson saved his job, right? right. And, and, and it's crazy to think about how the, the narrative around Harbaugh has changed, but he is the better coach. I'd take John Harbaugh over Jim Harbaugh all day long. He, he might not be as flashy. He might not be as, as quirky. I think he's uh, overall, specifically in the NFL, I think he's overall a, a much better coach. Tomlin is having a hard time in Pittsburgh, too, with yeah. some people. And I know a lot of people are eating him up. Harbaugh is the guy that I think Jim Harbaugh is, is, is a coach at Michigan who I think is probably a better NFL coach than he is a college coach. Agreed. I think Mike Tomlin would be a better college coach than he is. Oh, come on. I what are do. we doing? No, no, you know why? You know why? Oh, because God. that whole leader of men thing, I think it works and resonates with a bunch of 17, 18, and 19-year-olds. It's not that I don't think he's a good pro coach. I just think he would be an excellent college coach because – I can imagine him walking into those living rooms and those kids' eyes just lighting up. They they would run through a brick wall for him in college. That's what right. I really – I think he's underappreciated. So that's why I'm saying the best attributes he has to me would be better served and better used with young men as opposed to a 38-year-old quarterback. I think he'd be great in college. Uh, he Heck, he got one of his earliest uh, coaching jobs is at the University of Cincinnati. Shout out to my alma mater. Uh, but – He's also a great NFL coach. And I know he, by the way, he was awful Sunday night. Not punting on fourth down when it was fourth and two and you're really trying to play catch up. You've got to go for it there. I, I disagree with it. I, I agree with him at that at that point. I did Obviously, oh. when it didn't work. Now, they came back and they got that, that score back in like a minute and 38 seconds. And but, but, but Cleveland scored. And right. so they got the score back, but then they were right back in the position they were in when they punted. And you can't do that when you're you're down in the game. But but overall, I think Tomlin's a great coach. I think he's a top five to seven head coach. And I know some in in Pittsburgh. And I was listening to some 
uh, Pittsburgh radio this week. And it's, oh, should Tomlin go? Go ahead and get him out because what? There are seven vacancies, Tony, seven coaching vacancies. He'd be right scooped now up in, in a minute. By all seven. Every single one would scoop them up, and, yep. and they should. And, and maybe the, the Steelers, if I could fault them for anything, it's, it's not keeping Tomlin. It's maybe holding on to the past a bit too long. Right. Ben was bad. Baker outplayed him. I get it through for 500 yards. Baker outplayed him on Sunday. And that was a, a big difference. The turnovers were bad. Uh, you, you know, starting the game with a, the snap the way it was. And it wasn't all Ben's fault, but I think a lot of it was. And sometimes your message, even though it's a good message, sometimes that message just kind of gets, it gets played. Um, I saw that here with Gus Bradley. Gus Bradley, even though he wasn't a good head coach, that message when he first got here, man, you would want to do anything and everything for Gus Bradley. And then all of a sudden when they're losing and things aren't going well, the last thing you want to hear is that guy talking. And now Las Vegas is going to hear him talking on defense. He was hired to be the head, uh, the defensive coordinator for uh, Las Vegas. And people are you know, talking about the cover three. All I hear is people saying, why is he still running cover three? I, I really don't like this move by John Gruden, but John Gruden has always had this thing for Gus Bradley. And he said that here in Jacksonville uh, on radio before he loves him some Gus Bradley. So now he's got him, but I don't think the people uh, in the Chargers organization or the fans of the Chargers are going to miss Gus, Gus Bradley at all. No, I, I don't think so. And yeah, how it works with the Raiders, but, it, it kind of feels like the, the Raiders are just kind of flying by the seat of their pants a bit. The, the, the Paul Gunther firing, they did that and they, they wanted differences. And then the very next week they went out and uh, that was the Mariota game. And what would they do? They gave up like 40 something. I remember their defense was the problem and they had a backup quarterback. And right. so, you know, maybe Bradley can help them, but uh, I, I wouldn't be too optimistic. We'll see what they do in the off season, I guess, about the coach that was blown out of the last city because the, the fans are, were sick and tired of them. So this is, this is what happens every January and February. If you can't win with pass rush and a good secondary in San Diego or LA or both, cause he was in both, man, I'm wondering, you know, what, what is he going to do uh, when it comes to Vegas? Because they, they, you know, they got some good players, but it's really weird how that team is constructed. And, and, and there, there's an argument of whether Mayock and, and uh, Gruden have actually done a really good job at that. I'd be interested to see what your boy Q uh, with Locked On Raiders says about that because they're one of those teams that I think it takes a fit. And I think Gruden, by being there in the past, should know what that is. But somehow it seems like they've fallen, you know, they've fallen, they missed the mark a little bit on what they're trying to do out there. Uh, we talked about Doug Peterson and Philly. Mm -hmm. We thought that was a fit, man, because he'd been there before as an assistant under Andy Reid. All of a sudden now it comes out, he's getting sick of people telling him what to do. I guess you, whenever you're subordinate, you're always going to be told what to do. But I think that indicates that there was a little bit too much meddling on the football side of things. We're going to talk about in the next segment, who's a good fit for Philly? Because every look, they booed Santa Claus in Philly, okay? They booed Beyonce in Philadelphia. And they booed Kobe Bryant at the All-Star game, who's from Philadelphia. That's not an easy gig. So what we're going to do in the second segment, we're going to start out talking about Philly, Jeffrey Lurie, and those fans, and who's a good fit of all the coaches that you see out there for the Eagles. And we'll do it in just a second here on Locked On NFL on a Wednesday.
You're unique and so are your taxes. TurboTax Live has experienced live tax experts who listen to you learn about your unique tax situations and answer your questions. On top of all that, they can do your taxes from start to finish. Maybe you started investing and want some reassurance from an expert that you're doing things right. Maybe you're now self-employed and need some expert advice on what qualifies as a home office deduction. Maybe you'd rather have an expert file your taxes for you so you can focus on what matters most. No matter what your situation is, TurboTax Live tax experts can answer your questions, give tax advice, review your, review your return before you file, or even do it all for you. TurboTax Live gives you confidence that your uniquely taxes are done right. Intuit TurboTax Live, file with the help of an expert or let an expert file for you. All right, man, so we're back here on a Wednesday. James Rapine and Tony Wiggins talking about coaching openings and vacancies. I thought at this point last week when we talked about this that there would be some of these jobs that would already be filled in. They haven't been. They have not been filled in yet, man, and uh, I'm a little bit surprised. And now we're getting more jobs opened up. And mm -hmm. uh, just a quick mention, James, if you guys want to make a bet and, and, and look at the odds – of who is going to get these jobs. One of the things you need to do before you do that is go to Locked On Bets because Locked On Bets, it's a show hosted by your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. And what they're doing now is they're giving you the odds and they're picking these, uh, uh, these NFL games this week and the NBA locks all winter long. So subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcast. And of course, you're also going to play this on uh, betonline.ag. We, that's what we got. We got to make sure you we lead you to the right place to take care of that. So Philly, that's a tough gig. It's in a <laughs> tough city, but somebody's going to somebody's going to take the job. Uh, I heard that they there's already people wanting Eric B enemy up in Philadelphia. Uh, I don't know how you can fire one any read assistant and hire another one. and think something's going to be different. Robert Sala's name has been mentioned in Philadelphia. Whoever takes that job has to be mentally tough, though, because it's not easy. It's not easy. It's very tough. I, I covered, this is a baseball reference, but I covered Terry Francona who managed the Phillies and uh, I covered him when he was managing the, the Indians. And he was like, man, those Philly fans are different. Yep. <laughs> They're different, man. It's just, it's different. And that's what we're seeing here. I mean, Doug Peterson had a winning record, even with this awful year where they only had four wins, had a, a, a winning record, led them to a Super Bowl, won an, a playoff game, had a, a winning playoff record. It's not like he was over and then just had one run. Had, a, had another season with a playoff win too. So he's a, a successful head coach. And so now that bar is pretty high. And I don't think this move happens unless they have at least some idea of who's going to, to potentially get it. I heard Mike Kafka, by the way. Lord. Oh, quarterback, right? I, it sounds good, and it's an Andy Reid assistant and all that, but my Lord, like, if Doug Peterson struggles, you're going to bring in a guy like Mike Kafka? No, it's – you already mentioned him, the guy I would go with, and I don't give a damn if he's an Andy Reid assistant or not. Eric Bieniemy, man. Right. That's – I think he's got that thick skin. I think he's got that, that hard-nosed personality and offensive mindset that, hey, maybe could save Carson Wentz or could get the most – out of Jalen Hurts, or who knows, maybe they, they go another route and draft a quarterback. Maybe one of these guys falls in the draft of Philly. You know, you never know what the case may be there. So that would be the guy that I would really kind of hone in on and, and look at. But 
they better have their options open. There's seven vacancies now. And I think the Jags job is better. I think the Chargers job is better. I think that uh, there are multiple jobs now that are more attractive than the Eagles, which is insane to think about considering no one expected this job to be open and it is considered a well-run franchise. We talked about it. We talked about it. How could you, how could you go from winning a Super Bowl and having that epic, you know, I think about dreams and nightmares, Meek Mill playing and everybody running on the field and then them finally getting over the hump and winning. And then you fire the guy three years later. I, I don't, I, I, I'm having a hard time negotiating that inside of my head that this all happened. I, we thought it wasn't. I, we, I, I flat out asked you, I said, does Peterson say, you said, yeah, because for the life of me, I can't understand how that short turnaround led to this. Sure. It's, it's crazy to think about. I mean, they won the division last year. They, they won the division last year and we were watching Josh McCown try to outduel Russell Wilson because Carson Wentz had a concussion. And, and I thought they were going to win the division five, six games into the year. I still thought they were winning the East. And, and now there's some turnover. Here's the thing, though. The other guy taking a ton of heat in Philly is Howie Roseman. Right. I actually think Howie knows what he's doing. I'm not saying he gets it right all the time. And I, I think they put themselves in a real tough situation with the Alshon Jeffrey contract and, say, you know, just a, a couple things like that. They've gotten it wrong uh, in the draft with the offensive line. I don't think you need to go complete reboot and rebuild here. And so we'll, we'll see if Roseman can kind of turn the tide. Maybe Eric B is that guy. That's the guy I, I think I would go after. And I, I haven't been the guy, you know, this, a lot of NFL Twitter's like, Oh, be enemy, be enemy, be enemy for every job. I don't really think that. Like I, I think Joe Brady should get a job uh, cause he'd be a good fit in a couple of these cities. I think some of these other guys should get jobs, but I think the enemy fits the, the Eagles pretty well. How do you feel about the Deshaun Watson situation in Houston? Here's my take on it real quick. I, if you ask the franchise quarterback and he gives you advice, if you ask him for input and then you ignore it, I think it's like a slap in the face, especially with a guy who has not only played well on the field, but has represented that franchise off the field the way that you want him to do. Uh, if you don't want his advice, don't ask him. If you're going to just treat it like I'm management, you're the player, then treat it like I'm management, you're the player, and don't even ask for it. But if you're asking for it, advice, you are, you're doing it backwards if you just totally ignore him. I, I agree. I, I, if you're going to empower him and give him the idea that he's going to have some kind of voice. And by the way, how, why the hell didn't they, speaking of interviews, didn't they even interview Eric Biennemi? It's ridiculous. It's completely ridiculous that he's like, hey, at least give this guy a look. He helped coordinate the offense that kicked our ass when we were up 24-0 in the playoffs last year. You know, Maybe we should bring him in so I can actually compete with Patrick Mahomes. But honestly, you know what I would do if I was Houston? I would entertain trading Deshaun Watson. Instead of trying to smooth things over, I would entertain it. And here's what I mean by entertaining. I'm not just going and trying to trade for a bunch of picks. I would call your guys, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the team you cover, and say, you have the number one pick. We have Deshaun Watson, who's probably going to be better than Trevor Lawrence for the next three years, maybe more, maybe the next decade. Maybe he's just going to be better than Trevor Lawrence. We, we, we'll do it straight up. And, and if you're Houston, the reason you do that, and maybe you could ask for more, but I, I think straight up is pretty fair. The reason you do that, and, and Jacksonville, I think, wins that trade initially, is because you get off that money, you could kind of reset things, and you do have a, a future franchise quarterback. You shook your head the moment I suggested that, Tony. So it sounds like you're not interested. Watson's a top five quarterback. Come I on. love him. I love him, but I I wouldn't. I, if I saw the area code, I'd start laughing. I wouldn't even answer the phone. 
Oh, I treat them like a bill collector. I go, hello. And as soon as they start talking, I'll go, thank you for calling the Jaguars organization, but we're not here right now to answer. I act like I'm a recording machine because here's, <laughs> here's the thing. Houston, I'm not going to help them. Mm-hmm. That helps them. If they're going to trade their franchise quarterback, send them somewhere else and get them out of the division. But I'm not going to give them one when I already think I have one. Two, Trevor means, and, I, and I'm the last guy to do this. God, everybody that knows me knows that I'm all about results and I'm all about what happens on the field takes care of what can happen off the field. But Trevor Lawrence is going to do things for this franchise before he ever steps on the practice field. He's going to ignite this franchise. And I've told people here, he's either going to make it or, and it's going to be spectacular or he's not going to make it. And that's going to even be more spectacular for media people, because what we do, we cover good stuff and bad stuff, right? That mm-hmm. in between lukewarm stuff gets boring to fans. So we discover spectacular success or spectacular failures. And for the last eight years, I was, we've, w- except with the exception of one year in 2017, I've made a living and I'm an expert at talking about spectacular failures. So f- for Trevor, I think people are hoping that he's one of the greatest of all time. I, sure. I, I do agree that watching is there. And then the other thing is this, they're going to get Trevor Lawrence on a rookie contract. Mm-hmm. That, that factors into this whole thing. No, I, I tell them to call Miami. I, I'd say, here's, here's a, here's Chris Greer's number. You call him. And uh, in fact, we can call somebody else. Let's uh, why don't you call Sean McVay, call somebody else, but call Minnesota, but don't call us. We're, no, we're taking Trevor Lawrence and we're all but, sold on it here. And uh, I can't believe you brought that up, James. Let me give you the argument. Let me get that. Let me make the argument the other way because I brought this up when the Bengals are about to pick Joe Burrow and I just threw it out there. It, it, it's kind of crazy that now Watson's in trade rumors, but it was after the Hopkins deal and stuff. And I, I was like, look, do you want the number one pick in, in, in take Burrow, an unproven commodity as good as he looks. And, and what, I think Lawrence is an even better prospect. He wasn't as refined as Burrow, but he's a better prospect, just overall physical tools than Burrow. So do you want him? Or do you want this proven commodity? And since then, I think Deshaun Watson's taken two steps forward. What he showed me this year, uh, offensive line, small offensive line, coaching turnover doesn't matter. No DeAndre Hopkins doesn't matter. Small Brandon Cook, small Will Fuller, let's roll, boys. He, he showed me he can elevate every, everybody around him. David Johnson had a uh, average, uh, I think, a career high in yards per carry this year, or, or second most yards per carry. This, I mean, Watson just makes everybody better. So that would be the argument is, yeah, you have this unproven commodity on a rookie deal. Sure. Or I can go with the known commodity. And, and by the way, there, there's a reason they, they're going after Urban Meyer. They want to win now. They don't want to yeah. win five years from now. No, they want right. to win now. And, and, and so the argument would be Deshaun Watson gives you a much better chance of winning now than a guy in Trevor Lawrence who, again, is great, but isn't super refined. He's got stuff that he does need to work on. He has I some mean, stuff I, that needs to be cleaned and up. And you saw that against Ohio State. You saw that against LSU last year. Uh, there's some that wonder about his his competitiveness to agree because to a degree because he was smiling on the sidelines. We always pick that stuff apart. But I, I do wonder, does he have that extra gear that Watson has and some of these really special quarterbacks have that I think Russell Wilson has, you know, Tom Brady has it. I, I just wonder, cause you, you haven't really needed to see that in college. He might have it. I just don't know. Well, you're right. And in fairness, before the Jags got the number one pick, when they were hovering around two and three, I actually said, call the Cowboys to see 
I'd rather send a young quarterback to Dak. I would have taken, taken Dak Prescott. Now, the inner division part of it concerns me a little bit because I'd mm-hmm. never want to help another division opponent. Sure. But having the number one pick and what it means off the field, if it, I think it's worth it. I think it's worth keeping it. And I think it's worth thinking about the rookie, the rookie scale part of it. If you have the number two or the number three pick, then I'd say go for it because it's a little bit different and, and the risk and the reward that you get is, is going to be worth any, anything, whether it's in a division or whether it's about money. So, uh, yeah, I, I get the and, point. And, and that's the other thing. Uh, you know, if you flip it, you, you know, I push back on myself here. Well, look, if, if we trade Trevor Lawrence to a division rival and he goes and balls out, we're never overcoming that. Never. We're just, you know, if, if he wins a Super Bowl in Houston, we are never overcoming that ever. So why even give them a chance or an opportunity at that, assuming that's the guy you're going with? I mean, it's just so, so I, I get it and they won't do it. But an argument could be made. I mean, do you think the Bengals would have, would have regretted as, as much as they marketed Burrow if they had traded Burrow for Watson, given what Watson did this past year? I no. Mean, See? No, so it, but, it, could, it could change quickly, and they're not division rivals. But I, I get why you, you go with the unknown versus the known. And I think right now the Jaguars love seeing Houston struggle. <laughs> and if you trade Deshaun Watson to another team, that takes a, a great quarterback out of the division. Um, obviously the Colts have their issues at quarterback. So you look in the division, if you get Deshaun Watson out of the division and Phillip Rivers is 78 years old in Indy and nobody knows whether he's coming back. And then you look <laughs> at the fact that Ryan Tannehill for as good of a story has been that he's turned it around, doesn't scare you. There's a chance, you know, for the Jaguars to really, really have the cream of the crop at the quarterback position if Trevor Lawrence works out. So, so we'll just have to see, but speaking of the draft, an interesting thing has happened. Something very interesting has happened. Devontae Smith. Who, touchdown. Touchdown, Devontae. That's right. <laughs> I've all, we, we forget something about him. And then he's the guy that's been there the longest out of all the receivers. Mm-hmm. He's also the guy that caught the game-winning touchdown when they won a national championship four years ago. And he's also the guy who was a forgotten man on his own team. But all of a sudden, everyone thinks that he's the best receiver in this draft. Let's talk some draft in our third segment. I'm going to debunk that a little bit. And I know I'm going to be called a hater, but I'm not. I really do like the kid. But we're going to talk Devontae Smith and whether or not his prospects should be as the top five pick and how does it translate to the NFL in our draft segment here on Locked On NFL on a Wednesday. The NFL divisional round is here and now – It's time for you guys to make money. It's time. Get off the sidelines. Check it out. You hear about us talk about it all the time. BetOnline.ag is the place to be. It's the one place that has you covered, the one place we trust. And right now you look at some of these lines, the Rams six and a half point dogs, the Ravens a one point underdog on the road, the Browns 10 point dogs against Patrick Mahomes, and even the GOAT, Tom Brady, an underdog to Drew Brees and the Saints. Sign up today. For a free account at betonline.ag. Use the promo code locked on. You're going to get a 50% welcome bonus. Stop sitting on the sidelines. You're watching the games anyway. You're listening to us. Make some money while you do it. All you got to do, go to betonline.ag, use promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, man. Locked on NFL on a Wednesday. It is Tony Wiggins and James Rapine, and it is the draft segment 
portion of our show. You can check us out here every single Wednesday on Locked On NFL. You can also check us out every day on our daily podcast. But Locked On NFL also has a daily podcast. We do it on Wednesday. Other guys do it for the rest of the week. It is outstanding. Peter Bukowski brings you everything on a Monday. Ross and Luke, they come on on a Tuesday. Man, I'm telling you, you got a lot to look forward to here on Locked On NFL. All week long, the great podcast work done around this network. and You can catch it wherever you get your podcast. Locked On NFL here daily because that's what we do. We do this daily. You know what else happens daily? All of the draft nicks. Draft Twitter. <laughs> draft Twitter comes alive, man. Draft Twitter is something else, man. Everybody is an expert. I see some of the, the funniest stuff on there, and I see some of the most outrageous stuff on there, too. Uh, but something that's not really far-fetched is Devontae Smith going in the first round. I think he solidified that. Uh, 175 pounds, I don't care. He can play. You asked me a question, so I'm going to let you pose that question to our audience here. Tell them what you tweeted me. Oh, is Devontae Smith the number one receiver in this draft class? Is he going to go top five overall? Because I think when you have a performance like he's had on the national stage, first in their Sugar Bowl matchup, and you handle business there, or the Rose Bowl game, rather, against Notre Dame, and then in the national championship, I mean, six touchdowns in six quarters. That's what he did. Six touchdowns in six quarters, uh, 200 plus yards against Ohio State. I mean, it's just insane. And it was all in the first half because he didn't play really in the second half because he injured his finger. I I mean, I I had my cousin text me like, man, is this Jerry Rice? Like you you just get people coming out of the woodwork asking you about this kid. And and I, I think he has solidified himself, maybe not top five, but he's going to be a top 10 pick because if you were going crazy and draft Twitter was going crazy, guess who else is going crazy? Scouts. GMs, yep. owners. It, and, and even the scouts might not be too insane about it, right? Because he's a, a buck 75, because he's 22 years old, because he's played four seasons, right? But he's insane, insane. And, you know, I 117 receptions. I mean, you can go on and on about all the stats. But I think he's, you said first round, I think he's a top 10 pick. And I wouldn't be shocked at all if Miami takes a serious look at him with the third pick to reunite Devonta Smith with Tua Tungavailoa. Let me tell you why I, I, I wouldn't. And it has nothing to do with the Buck 75. It has nothing to do with any of that stuff. I saw Jamar Chase last year, and I thought he was the best college receiver I've seen in a long time. Now, in the matchup against Alabama and LSU, the game was a shootout. And really... Chase, to me, was the best player on the field. But if you go back statistically and look, Devontae Smith smoked Stingley, who's probably the cornerback at LSU. Everybody's thinking is a top two or top top three pick next year. Mm -hmm. He'd be a top two pick, top three pick if he came out this year. Devontae had 200 yards in that game. He didn't just start doing this stuff. But I think last year people were saying that he had a third round grade on him. You got to be able to notice whether or not a guy can play or not even if he's surrounded by other people. Earlier this year, everybody was talking about Jalen Waddle was the best receiver on the team. Mm-hmm. So if he was the fourth best receiver last year and was the second best on the, the, on the team this year, how's he better than Jamar Chase? When Jamar Chase, to me, 
he didn't play. I, I wouldn't have played either with LSU's quarterback situation this year, but Jamar Chase was a freak. You pointed out his stats to me. I said, let me look up his numbers. On a team that had Justin Jefferson, who's fighting to be rookie of the year right now, Jamar Chase made Justin Jefferson an afterthought. And tell him how old Jamar Chase was when he did that. 19 years old. And that's the key. Because Jamar Chase is the number one wide receiver prospect in this draft. Prospect. It doesn't mean that Devonta Smith right now today, he might be better than Chase, who hasn't played since LSU whooped up on the Clemson Tigers in last year's national championship game. But Chase, at 19 years old, had 84 receptions, 1,780 yards, averaged 21.2 yards per catch. His long was 78 yards and had 20 touchdowns. As 20. a true sophomore. True sophomore, 19 years old. And I get it. It was a great offense. But you saw what Justin Jefferson did. He was better than Justin Jefferson. He was the number one. Uh, we asked Joe Burrow about him. And he's like, oh, man, he was easy to throw to because he had five yards of separation every play. <laughs> and, and that's the thing. And uh, don't be shocked at all if Chase goes ahead of Smith, even though Smith put on this show on a national stage. Because I, I think the most casual college football fans probably have an idea of who Smith is. They don't know who Jamar Chase is. Right. They, 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 they didn't see him do this this year. And, and we think about it in the, that timing. And last year, when they think about that LSU team, they think about Burrow more than anything. Right. But Jamar Chase was a huge reason why Burrow was successful. And uh, look, I, I, it could be 1A, 1B. I think both are going to have instant impacts. But if I'm picking one or the other, I might lean Chase, and I probably do lean Chase because he's only 20 years old right now. He'll be 21 in March, I believe. Um, almost he, a full two years younger than Smith. And he is hard to tackle. You, if you want, now this is where the weight comes in. Mm -hmm. I saw Jamar Chase run through tackles. I I saw him not be open. And by the way, I mentioned that uh, Smith was playing against Stingley. Well, Jamar Chase was playing against Sertain. So it's it's not like there was a tremendous difference in the guy guarding him either. So he's sneaky fast, and this is where those 202 pounds helps. That's 27 pounds different than, than that other kid. So, and he's short, he's shorter, but he's stronger. Like it's it's not just it's yeah, not he's just six he's feet chiseled. Tall. He's he's a strong six feet. Yes. Yeah. So for me, as much as I love Smith, I know it sounds like I'm a hater. I'm not. When people ask me a comp for Devontae Smith in the league, everybody talks about Marvin Harrison because Marvin was real slim. Smith, with the way he runs routes, reminds me of Stefan Diggs. Mm -hmm. He reminds me of Diggs. That's fair. The short area quickness, the way he runs those crossing routes, you can put him in motion. That's who he reminds me of. Chase reminded me of a shorter Larry Fitzgerald. So it's just whoever you want and, and, and what type of guy you want and what, you know, they always talk about the analytics, but the football guys, football guys always want the big physical talented guys. So, uh, I think either way, both of them will be very good in the NFL. I think Smith goes a little bit later. And what happens is that means you go to a team that's not as bad. So you don't think he goes top 10? I think he goes top 10, but I think Chase goes top five. I want to be covering one of them with the fifth pick. I just make it known now with <laughs> the Bengals. I want to watch Joe Burrow throw to one of these guys. So. Yeah, well, you need to, you need to get Specifically Joe Chase. Yeah, you need to get Joe Burrow some 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 people that can protect him because he ain't gonna have time to throw the ball up there. It's you just gotta funny. you gotta pay those guys. Right, you gotta pay those guys. Sue ain't gonna be there. 
Right. You know, Bengals fans want him there. He ain't going to be there. Right, right. All right, man. So it's been fun uh, discussing these coaching changes. Maybe by next week when we come on on Wednesday, they'll have some coaching jobs filled. The vacancy Irving going to take the job or what? I don't know. I, I really don't. I wish I could have that answer for you. But my, my, uh, my buddy interviewed him at the national championship. And I was like, dude, you had to have asked him. And he said he did. Like, even off the record, I would have asked him straight up, like, right. hey, between you and me, no one else is listening. Before I hit record, I would have asked him, and he, he didn't. Uh, he said he didn't ask him. Well, I'll tell That's you crazy. what. I will give you this. Everyone else has been doing their interviews virtually. Mm -hmm. Urban did his in person on a $200 million yacht with Shaq Khan. So, you know, <laughs> for what it's worth, you can take that for what it's worth, but – uh, we'll see what happens with it. Two hundred million—that's it. Two hundred million. Yeah, it was worth more than that. But I, he, you know, it's two. But put it this way: Jay Z and Beyonce rented the yacht for a week for one point four million. Just, just a little cool one point four million, James. Ain't that's that, it. you know? Just a little one point four. You know, just give me the one. You want the boat? Give me one point four. I'm gonna have to have a really good weekend on BetOnline.ag to rent that bad boy. You got that right, and it can happen because BetOnline.ag, BetOnline.ag is is where we make our money, and that's who we trust. For James Rapine, for Tony Wiggins, this is a Wednesday edition of Locked On NFL. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Take care of each other, man, and we'll see you guys next Wednesday.